I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. It sometimes might feel like Lent is a solo activity. Me, myself, and I are going to get right with Jesus over these 40 days. My fasting, my prayer, my almsgiving is going to put me in a right relationship with Jesus. And while, yes, your spiritual journey, your healing, your pursuit of an embrace of the cross is certainly a focus of the Lenten season, it's not a solo endeavor. You don't get right with Jesus just so that you can say, yay, I'm holy. You get right with Jesus, for lack of a better way to put it. You pursue a deeper relationship with Christ because you long to exist in this world how the Lord has called you to exist. You long to be who God wants you to be. And who God wants us to be are not people who are islands unto ourselves, me, myself, and I is holy, but people who exist in this world for others, people who love their neighbors as themselves, people who see the suffering and plight of the misfortunate, of the disabled, of the homeless, of the the marginalized communities who've experienced injustice and say, I can do something about that. I can step in. I can love. And I'm willing to because I know that the Lord loves me. And I know the Lord loves me because I have that right relationship. It's not a solo endeavor. Lent is not a private pursuit of holiness. And when we rend our hearts unto the Lord and we ask the Lord to make us aware of what breaks his heart, of how my fast and my prayer and my almsgiving, who's putting that all of that's putting me in right relationship with Jesus so that Jesus can more deeply reveal to me how I can be in right relationship with others, how I can help, how I can love, how I can serve, how I can give. I wanted to sit down and really dig into this idea of rending our hearts unto the Lord, of allowing ourselves to really have a heart broken for the same thing that breaks the Lord's heart. Not simply because we want to be sad, but because when we more deeply understand what the Lord desires, we can, with our own positions and privilege and opportunities, perhaps step in, perhaps love in a new way, perhaps offer help and insight in a way that only we can. Rocky McCormick is a mom, a wife, a writer, a teacher, a talented artist. I have one of her blankets in my house and my kids are often fighting over who gets to snuggle up under it. And I wanted to sit down and talk with her about this pursuit of allowing our hearts to be broken for the same thing that breaks the Lord's heart so that we can step in and love in the very same way that, that he does. Because she's had a variety of experiences helping young people especially do this in her various forms of ministry, but because she has a great insight on what it looks like when we do not live a faith isolated and alone and private unto ourselves. All season long, we've talked about leaning into Lent more. We've talked about embracing these spiritual practices. We've talked about allowing ourselves to be anchored in God's word. And none of that is simply because you and I want to be holy and win some sort of Catholic prize. Yay, we did Lent. But we, we do this. We pursue this. We embrace this because we know that the Lord is doing something within our lives that we can then do something profound within the world. Rocky gives some great insights into this idea. And I hope you really enjoyed this conversation. All of this is part of our Ave Explores series on Lent. Find out more at AveMariaPress.com. Dig into the book that all of these conversations are based off of, Return by Father John Burns. It's very fruitful. It's, it's hopefully incredibly helpful to you. The videos are available on the Ave Maria Press website. These podcasts, of course, available wherever you get your podcasts. I think 
our conversations this Lenten season have been leading us to this deeper understanding of what we do Lent for. And today's conversation, I think, reveals to us that we don't do Lent simply for ourselves, but we, quote unquote, do Lent, especially here in this fifth week of Lent, because the Lord is trying to lead us into a deeper understanding of how we exist for each other. So enjoy this conversation with Rocky McCormick about how to embrace a broken heart given to us by the Lord because it breaks for others here in the Lenten season. Rocky, welcome to the Katie McGrady Show. No, no, this is not the Katie McGrady Show. Wait, hang on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is what happens. Oh, man. <laughs> Sweet. Restart. How's it going? Restart. Rocky, welcome to Ave Explores. Sorry about that, folks. This is what happens. Sorry. This is what happens when Katie has too many projects. Uh, I'm in. Oh, I'm in radio mode. Now we're back in the podcast mode. Intimately aware of that. I don't know what day it is or where I am mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah, it's well, and and well, let's talk with that. You're a busy lady. Yeah. You're a mom. I you work a in a Catholic lady. school. You work in a parish. Tell us all the amazing yeah. things that you do. Oh my goodness, I'm not sure how amazing they are these days because I'm not sure where I am and <laughs> who I am most days. But again, I'm Rocky McCormick. I primarily work at our, our parish here in Michigan. I'm in suburban Michigan, but I've also taken on teaching sixth and seventh grade this year, religion in our academy, which has been um, something I told God I would never do. <laughs> and so God laughs when you tell him those things. Right. And it turns out I actually really love it. I absolutely adore it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a joy to do that. And then I do some writing, some speaking, some artwork here and there. Yeah, generally, you know, keeping busy. And then I shuttle people to basketball and after school <laughs> activities. And yeah, I feel sometimes like sometimes do cooking and rarely do cleaning. Ultimately, we're all just Uber drivers for our children, right? Like of all <laughs> so of true. the tasks, yeah. they just, mom, I'm ready to be picked up. I know. The so other we're finally day, in that phase. I, um, I, I arrived, I was like two minutes late to pick up Rose from school. It was like 318 mm-hmm. versus 316 when I normally pull in. Mom, you're late. I'm not late. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> you can't even tell time. Where were you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, was, right I was in the line anyway. So, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that the teaching thing yeah. is going well, because I know that that was, again, yeah. it was a bit of a surprise. It uh, was. It tell was. Us. It was a last minute thing. Yeah. And so they were looking for a theology teacher, well, religion, because we're in academy, not high school. My husband, who is a theology teacher, <laughs> reminds me, because <laughs> he teaches at the high school. And so I had volunteered and didn't really hear back. And so, you know, went about my business and like a month before school, they were like, so you still open this? I'm like, oh yeah, hmm, better learn a lesson plan. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been in education. While that's my background, I have not taught in a junior high setting. So that was a very much a response to something that the Lord was asking me to do. And that's kind of how he works in my life. Mm-hmm. Very last minute, doesn't give me too much time to stew and hem and haw and you know, wonder what might happen. He kind of kicks me and says, here you go. This is where you're going. Well, I kind of feel like maybe that that can be a benefit at times. It's like, yes, it's very, sometimes it feels like, wait, Lord, you have these plans. I need to be informed of them. But then Mm -hmm. also, do you find that there's kind of an openness to the surprise of it all? Like, well, God, you've never failed me yet. So I'm just going to kind of trust that this is going to be what you want it to be. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's like once you've had those experiences, you can build on those. And so there is that trust. And sometimes I'm miserable in in places and God has to make me really miserable to be like, you're not listening. (laughs) You need to leave. I have something else for you. And yeah, he very much will. And there is is a docility to the spirit there. I I love that. I just look for the peace. And if there's not peace, then I know it's not for me. 
I love that line. I have something else for you. What What is that meant yeah. in your life? Because I, I feel like a lot of people, especially at this phase of the Lenten season, mm-hmm. we set out these plans. I'm going to fast in this oh, way. Yeah. I'm going to pray in this way. I'm going to serve the the community in this way. And then by week five, it's just all gone to to crap. Oh, right. Uh, can I say crap on five. this Five. Wow, this you show? made it to five. That's fantastic. Made it to five, right? Like you're almost <laughs> yeah, right. done. We've only got you're two weeks. Yeah. Um, what do you do? I feel like we have like our perfect Catholic Lenten map trademark, mm-hmm. you know, of how we're going to get from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday. And, you know, life is Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I just think sometimes we cling so hard to that silver bullet to be like this. This is what is going to get me there. God has to sometimes take us out of our comfort to be able to really break mm-hmm. in and show us what it is that we need to grow. Yeah. It's so good that you're saying that because just a couple of weeks ago, we had Paul George on and, and he literally said that line, the Lord wants us to be comfortable with discomfort. Yeah. Not, not because he's, he's punishing us, but because no. that's where space is made. How, how have you found in your life as a wife, as a mom, in ministry, mm-hmm. that the Lord has invited you into discomfort specifically with regards to like hurt and pain in your life, in the lives of your children, sure. in, in the lives of the world? Well, you know, there, there are a few really profound encounters that I've had with the Lord when it comes to his discomfort and his pain. And, and the first, I can remember very vividly being at Mass one time and I was coming up to approach to, to receive the Eucharist. And I just prayed, Lord, conform my heart to yours. Mm. And, like the immediate response was, Rocky my heart is pierced and broken for the people of this world. Mm. And immediately, like there was this flood of the sense of all the joys and the sorrows of everyone who was sitting in those pews. And then another was when I was rocking my daughter when she was little, she's not a good sleeper. And so, you know, those middle of the night, getting her back to sleep sessions and I'm rocking her and I'm praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet and that part where we're talking about, you know, for the sake of a sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and Mm -hmm. on the whole world. And just the sense of, the brokenness of the world and his deep sorrow, but deep hope and love for everyone. It was just so profound. And I think the one thing that has struck me the most in this transition to teaching, especially, and definitely in having done youth ministry too, is just how hurting our children are. Mm -hmm. In this world, they are faced with so much more than, I mean, Junior high wasn't fun for anyone, (laughs) but (laughs) I feel like the sorrows and the experiences and the fears and the hurts are so much more profound and so much deeper. Like everything seems more heavy Mm -hmm. than it did when I was a teen. And to be able to enter into those places and to help them to see Jesus in those places, Mm -hmm. especially in those places, you know, Pope Francis was just talking about the Beatitudes and the surest way to encounter Jesus is to become needy. And to show them their hurt and their pain isn't actually a defect. That it is the place where Jesus enters in with us. And sometimes it catches us off guard. It's, you know, Lent isn't our 40-day fix-it plan Mm -hmm. of the things we want to improve. And the more Lents I go through, I think the challenge is really recognizing what is it that the Lord wants to do in my life? Mm -hmm. Where do I really need to repent? What do I really need to surrender? Yeah. You know, what is my desert? And is it a place where I can just complain? Because I'm, you know, a little bit of a, I'll admit, I can be a little Eeyore. Be like, oh, <laughs> I'm tired. Woe is me. But, you know, is it a place where we're complaining? Or is it a place 
that is going to help lead us? Is it a path to the resurrection? Yeah, that's a that's a good word there of like the, the world feels heavy and the world feels mm-hmm. like there's more hurt. Part of me thinks it's because we can see it more. Yes, absolutely. You know, like I... We're so connected So like almost to the point where if you're... It's almost like the pain and the hurt isn't real unless I've shared it. And especially like shared it in a very public kind of way. And um, almost a traumatizing way, to be honest. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost unholy, the, mm-hmm. the fascination that we have with the gruesome. Yeah, yeah. Like the the... So this is going to sound like a weird connection point, but like (laughs) I don't read birth stories. Like I just don't read them. One, because I had a very traumatic birth with Rose and then a very, very healing birth with Claire. So it's like, okay, that's our story. Like we're not, I'm not going to go like read other stories to try to like bring them into my brain. But two, because it's like, this is, and this is not me criticizing anybody who has written their birth story and shared it online. But it's like, that's like the most intimate personal thing now, I say this as somebody who literally tells the story of Rose's birth on stages, but I feel like that's a different because like I'm with those people and it's not being blogged out. But, you know, I'm a bit of a hypocrite uh, and a complainer myself. But but the point simply being like you read the story of someone's hurt or you see the mm-hmm. video of this tragic thing happening or you have conversations with someone about like this systemic poverty that right. they're witnessing and they're working through. And it can feel very overwhelming. Like you want to take that hurt away. You want to try to solve it in some way. Right. But then you realize your inadequacy. What do we do with that? Mm. I think there's two questions here, actually. One, why are we doing this to ourselves? And two, what do we do with it? Well, I think one, we do it to ourselves because we are united with Christ. And when he hurts, we hurt. Whether we acknowledge it, whether we are conscious of it, we are united in the mystical body of Christ. And so when one member is hurting, we are all hurting. Mm Mm-hmm. And whether we want to acknowledge that or not, or acknowledge our participation in structures that perpetuate that or not, it doesn't make it any less true. Mm. And so there is that innate connection, whether we admit it or not. Truth doesn't have to be admitted to still be true. Right. Right. You don't have. <laughs> and I, think, I think the second part of that is that we need to get better about asking God what he is anointing us. Mm to work toward because mm. we're not being asked to do everything, but everyone is being asked to do something. And I'm a fixer by nature. And with a tween, I have to get really good at not trying to fix every problem she brings me. <laughs> just, just experienced this the other night. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, do you just want me to listen or do you want advice? Yeah. She's like, everything's terrible. I'm like, okay, we're just going to sit just here and hold, acknowledge that things space. are terrible. Yes. <laughs> hold space for the terrible. Right, right. But I think the true, you know, the same is true with the world. It is enormous. And the enormity of our grief can be overwhelming and, and debilitating. Mm-hmm. And especially with the... I, I tend to freeze when I am overwhelmed. But I think really entering into that space where we can ask Jesus, one, how do I need to change that I am not participating in this harm? And two, how and where do you want me to respond? And it's not going to look the same for everybody. So I think there's an element of grace that needs to be, especially when we have public lives that are shared on little squares or in podcasts or on videos, that we need to offer each other grace to know that the way that I'm being asked to respond isn't the same way that you're being asked to respond because we're given different gifts, different charisms, different calls. Yeah, We're each called to live out our priest, prophet, and kingship in different ways. That's a that's a great point because I, I, think, I think there's a lot of times where we see pain we see mm. how people have been affected by that pain. We see how mm-hmm. people might be responding to that pain. 
and and we won, maybe our heart our heart beats in sadness or we we empathize. But then there's also this, okay, but all this other stuff is also happening too. Yeah. And there's that overwhelm of where do I, where do I jump in? You know, where do I right. participate? How do I I learn? How do I engage? How do I help? But then also how do I make sure that I'm not overextending myself to then burn out so I can't help for the long run? So, right. you know, and, and we can, we're, we're, we're pussyfooting around. I'm, they're probably going to cut that <laughs> word, but that's the Southern in me. My grandfather would use it. Yes. Stop pussyfooting around and just say what you want to say. Like, let's what name it, right? We're, we're talking about yeah. racism. We're talking about poverty. We're, we're talking about the homeless and housing crisis, right? We're, we're talking right. about all these various, the immigration crisis. And we use this word crisis. And I, I feel like sometimes we say crisis, and and we're putting the onus on the person who's actually suffering, right? Like when you say, right. let's immigration crisis, it's a crisis of people coming and feeling unwelcome, uncared yeah. for, a process and a system that isn't set up to to help and to aid. But it's not their fault, right? It's no. it's the the system no. that has been created in such a way that is a crisis. And so then well, we're just not overwhelmed only, thinking not only about that, it. But- the root cause of it too. Right. That right. they're not coming just to come. They're coming because they're in pain and they're hurting and there is right. something going on yeah. that is forcing them to leave what is mm-hmm. comfortable, what is known, what is home for that. Yeah, absolutely. The onus isn't on the suffering. Right. Right. God is with the suffering. Right. God is in the God suffering. Is always with the suffering. Yes. But it sometimes feels like in a media driven, social sure. media clickbait world. So mm-hmm. I, I had a, a massive perspective shift that I think is worth sharing on this idea of um, like you, you sometimes you don't understand the suffering of another until you see it close, right? We mm-hmm. watch it from a distance. We watch a video of police brutality or we hear a speech of someone sharing an experience of, of systemic racism or, you know, we see all the statistics of what's happening at the border and it feels very distant and it feels very disconnected and like it hurts, it hits, but then you you go back to making the mac and cheese and you change the news channel, right? Like that's, that's literally <laughs> what happened a few, right. a few weeks ago uh, with the Tyree Nichols stuff. Like I was like, this is, I'm going to hold space for this in my brain. This is a tragedy. This is awful. I'm going to reach out to my friends that I know are deeply impacted by this. And then I'm going to put chicken nuggets on the table and, and try to move to the next thing. And so it can feel very segmented. My mom and I went to Mexico for the Our Lady of Guadalupe feast day. And on the second day of our pilgrimage, we drove out to Puebla, Mexico. And, and so it's like a, it's a, it's about a two and a half hour drive that took us about five hours because of traffic. And we're on the interstate in Mexico, which is chaotic. And like people do mm-hmm. not drive, like they drive on the interstate in the United States of America. And you could see these people lining the, the streets of, of the highway, carrying mm-hmm. statues of Our Lady of Guadalupe, making their pilgrimage, walking for hundreds of miles to get to the shrine. And, and like doing it without thinking twice, like this is what they do. Their annual pilgrimage, they, they ride in the back of these open pickup trucks. They sleep on the side of the road. They get there with no hotel reservations. They're there to pay homage. And then they turn around and they go right back home. And I'm sitting in, in the bus and we're like snapping photos of this pilgrimage mm. that's happening in front of us. You know, 35 white people sitting on a bus, comfortable in air conditioner, just driving out to Puebla. <laughs> and I turn and my mom is tearing up next to me. Mm. And I was like, mom, what's, what's, are you Okay. And she was like, I'm seeing these people make this journey to go see Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I'm all I can think about are the people who make the journey from other parts of Central America up to the United States. Mm. And like they have this, they, they don't think twice. This is just what mm-hmm. needs to be done to have a better life. This is what needs to be right. done to go pay our respects to Our Lady. And mm-hmm. it just, it totally changed my perspective. I mean, it instantly made me think, what can I do to help those people once they get here to where they feel 
human and they feel cared for. And I think that's part of the suffering with it is the seeing it in person. What moments in your life, again, as a wife, as a mom, with an immigrant family, what moments in your life have you have you felt that tug, have felt that compassion? And then what have you done with it? Yeah. So honestly, like my own conversion into the faith occurred with one of those those shifts. Mm-hmm. It was Christmas morning with my Hindu family and my Jewish godparents, for lack of a better word. But, you know, we were at a Benedictine monastery who also had a homeless shelter. And so we were serving mm-hmm. the homeless on Christmas morning. And it was being in the presence of that, that, you know, the words of God comes alive mm-hmm. in, in those moments. Yeah. And so encountering people who I had known conceptually, but growing up in Iowa, you know, you don't really see as a kid, you don't really see the homeless, you, you know about it, but you right. don't really see it, but really encountering them to see, and I was serving children. Mm-hmm. I was serving children. And there was something in that that broke me. Mm-hmm. But it also helped me to encounter God in a way I hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And so then that led me obviously into, and I won't share the whole long story here, but it, it led me into the faith. But I think those are the moments it is, we are incarnational. Mm-hmm. It is important for us to be in physical proximity to people. Mm. And I, I think for me, those, those are the moments. Another, I remember being in Tijuana on a service trip with, with college students. And so we were serving at a garbage dump community and to be there with people whose literal only option is to build shelters on top of waste. Mm. And it just one, it makes you grateful regardless of the suffering that we have. Like it gives us perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. But then two, it intimately makes me want to do more right? and to be one more aware of how we waste and squander the opportunities and the blessings that we have, or maybe even don't recognize the blessings that we have. Yeah. But then as a parent calling that forth in our children, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to share with them those experiences until they can have their own, Yeah. to connect them to that larger body of Christ. You know, whether they profess a, a faith in Christ or not, they're they're part of the mystical body, right? Like they're part of of God's humanity and the image and likeness of, of God. And one of the other things that we do during Lent for our family is Operation Rice Bowl with Catholic mm-hmm. Relief Services. And one of the things that I find that sets them apart for me is the way that they really go into the community and they call forth the gifts within the community. So mm-hmm. it isn't that they're coming to serve and save. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about how we kind of end up with the savior complex, that that isn't the case, but they're recognizing the gifts of the people and the gifts of God that are present in the community, working with the people who are intimately involved in the life there to be able to give them the resources that they need to be able to flourish. Mm-hmm. And so sitting with my children and talking about last year, the people in Bangladesh and what climate change has done to them, or talking about our own family in India and the experiences that I have had going back to Calcutta and even just like the sewer systems that we have here, you know, mm-hmm. running water and safe water and not having to boil our water mm-hmm. and food that we can eat without worrying about being sick and how many people are starving on the side of the road there that you can just, you can see. And that's mm-hmm. not an indictment on them. Mm-mm. They didn't ask to starve, mm-hmm. but it's an indictment on us that God has given us this plenty. He has asked us to be good stewards of everything that he has given us. Mm -hmm. And somehow in some way, the structures that we have built, all of these people are not getting the basic necessities that Mm -hmm. they need. Mm -hmm. And so as we grow, what can we do? Yeah. It almost, it, this conversation is like a conviction that almsgiving 
in the ways that we do it during Lent. I feel, have you gotten the vibe lately that like almsgiving within the life of the church has, has shifted from at least, you know, popularly mm-hmm. has shifted from like tangible to like, oh, well, I'm just going to be more generous with my time. Yeah. And it's like generosity with your time is good, right? Like going mm-hmm. and volunteering in your kid's kindergarten classroom and giving of your time freely is not a bad thing. Sure. But also like, did you give up Starbucks for Lent? Then what were you doing with that $6.50 every other day? Right. Like, was there a tangible place that you could have used that money to help other people? Is there a meal that you could have bought? Is there clothing yeah. that you could have donated? Right. Like what right. tangibleness? How, how do you feel like almsgiving can become a more practical, realistic thing? I mean, you mentioned Operation Rice yeah. Bowl. Tell us how that looks in your family and, and in your school community and your parish. Well, I think I'll- Right. So I think for our family, it really is that like we give up certain things. And honestly, we made the switch to not go to Starbucks or Mm -hmm. have coffee out for the most part a few years ago. And so that then gives us additional money Mm -hmm. that we can then, you know, and what we do, we do Operation Rice Bowl for Lent, but I have come because there are so many fundraisers for so many things and it's Mm -hmm. discerning where is our gift going to go. And to be able to have just that extra $10 to be like, oh my gosh, there's a family in need. Mm-hmm. I can give my $10 there. I can go buy a set of pot and pa- pots and pans for a refugee family who's mm-hmm. trying to resettle in the area. And to be able to have that disposable income, which isn't technically disposable, but you know, in, in the bigger scheme of things we can do without mm-hmm. in the moment, to be able to respond in the moment. So maybe not even having all of our giving planned out for the year, yeah. but to be able to respond. And I think this is where God has really been moving me is that God asks us to respond to what he puts in front of us in the moment that he puts it in front Mm -hmm. of us. And so we can't really plan for that. And it's good for us to have our planned giving to organizations that are more skilled at doing the work than we are. But then it's also important that we really are inviting people in our communities into our homes and into our interrelationship with Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. to know what they need, to know where their pain points are, to know where they're suffering. And to be the kind of people that are approachable with their generosity. I I think one of the like best compliments Tommy and I ever felt like we got was when our pastor called us and said, Hey, we're starting a fund for the Catholic school for families that are like just over the threshold to qualify for the diocesan funding, but still wouldn't be able to make this work. And they said, would you be willing to add, I think it was like $30 to our tuition. If like 10 families added $30 to our tuition Mm -hmm. payment each month, we could cover the cost of this family's oh kids. And I was like, yeah, done. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. like right. that's 30 bucks. That's us just not going to McDonald's one afternoon after basketball practice, right? Like we can make that <laughs> right. work. And then afterwards, and I'm not sharing the story to toot our own horn. Afterwards, there was like yeah. that brief moment of like, what did I just say yes to? Wait, what is that $30? Yeah. Okay, wait, like having to like recalibrate your brain and right. thinking to myself, that $30 will hurt me one time each month and will help this family immensely. And that's really how it should be. Like, yes, we feel a hurt, big or small, but recognizing that that suffering can lead to a great blessing, that sacrifice can lead to this great, great abundance in someone else's life. How do you think we can articulate this well to to young people? You work with teenagers, you have, you know, kids, you're in the seventh and eighth grade classroom. What helps translate it to the young person whose brain is still forming and whose understanding of the world (laughs) is still developing? Yeah. But you know what? I I think while that's true, they have a real quest for justice. Mm. They really do. They want things to be fair and they want things to be equitable. Mm -hmm. And they certainly will tell you when it is not and they're involved. (laughs) (laughs) They are. But I think they are. Oh, yeah. They're good at telling you when it's not fair or they think it's not fair. You know what? I I bring it down to right relationship and Mm -hmm. I bring it down to friendship. 
because it's where they're at. They're struggling with relationship. They're struggling struggling to figure out who they are, who they belong to, who they want to be. And so I think sometimes when we take a look at justice from a bigger scale, it gets too big Mm. and it's too conceptual. But I like to boil it down to right relationship that we each have a choice to make. Every choice we make is either moving toward having a good relationship or a broken relationship. Mm -hmm. And so then how is God asking us in this moment to act in a way that would restore what is broken? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so justice is restoring what is broken. And we can do that in our relationships. If someone cheats on a test, what do you think should be the consequence and what should be then the action that restores that? Mm -hmm. If you and your friend fight, how do you restore that? So we start looking at those things. Or if you think there are rules in the school that aren't fair, what isn't fair about them? Mm -hmm. What's inequitable? And what would then make it so that it was just? Yeah. So I think sometimes when you take a look at the bigger things, it can get scary. But bringing it down to things that are in there every day Mm -hmm. or, okay, let's talk about screen time. (laughs) Yeah. What is the just amount of screen time? Like what's fair? What's equitable? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing with it? But that's a, that's a whole story for a whole different <laughs> Well, I mean, I love that, that thought of there's a restoration. Mm-hmm. Like when we return to the Father, when we return to the yeah. Lord, whether it's in adoration once a week or just at the, the end of the day when we're doing our exam mm-hmm. and, or upon our death, right? When we return right. to the Lord, what are we going to show him, right? Like there's there's an accounting to be made, not in this way of like Jesus is counting the beans that we no. offer him. It's it's not a it's not no, a no, miser no. relationship, but in that I mean Father John references in the collect, enlighten, O God of compassion, the hearts of your children, sanctified by penance, and in your kindness, this is the line, grant those who stir to a sense of devotion, a gracious hearing when they cry out to you. So it's like, Lord, we're crying yeah. out to you, graciously hear us. But also I think there's this this double entendre of like, also when people cry out, we want mm-hmm. to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And, and Lent is not just, I gave up the coffee creamer, I'm going to daily yeah. mass, and I'm going to say a rosary once a week. Like, it's also this, give me a heart like yours to see yeah. suffering and, and respond, right? Right, right. And I, I think like, one, we don't earn salvation. So nothing mm-hmm. we do is mm-hmm. going to earn us that. But what we do can put us in the path of grace. Right. And the path of grace is always responding to the suffering. Like you read this in the Psalms over and over and over. You know, David crying out, be gracious to me, O Lord. And we read it in the scriptures to say that the measure by which we measure, we're going to be measured, you know? Mm. So it isn't so much that we're earning our salvation, but that we're staying in friendship with the Lord. And to be in friendship with the Lord, we have to be in friendship with the poor. Mm. We have to be in friendship with the suffering. Yeah. And not the whole world, because that's overwhelming. Right. But, but the God ones gives right us opportunities us. over yeah. and over. My daughter is really good at seeing people. Yeah. And every time we drive by a homeless person, I share the story all the time. She calls me to task. She's like, mom, yeah. do we have something to give them? I'm like, <laughs> no one carries cash. Yeah, no, I don't keep <laughs> and, cash in right? my car. No, yeah, but it's a call. Okay, maybe we keep, maybe we should. Like soft cereal bars or something yeah. even, like some food, yeah. some gloves, something. Yeah. Something to recognize their human dignity, even if we don't have money, mm-hmm. to be able to offer them something that says, I see you. Yeah, yeah. There's a, and you um, are loved. There's something to be said for, you know, the, there's the the people who stand at the, it's in our town, it's always like right at this one spot where like you can turn mm-hmm. left to get on one drag or you can go straight to right. get on the interstate. And so it's a lot yeah. of people passing by to head to the casinos or to head to Target. And, and every mm-hmm. single time I see them, I think to myself, I should just roll the window down and say, hey, do you want me to go get you a sandwich from Chick-fil-A? Right. 
And I don't. I don't do it. I'm calling myself out to do it because I hate the Chick-fil-A (laughs) drive-thru line. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit there for 30 minutes to get you a sandwich. I I wouldn't even do that for myself. And then it's like every single time I drive away and I'm like, I am a jerk. Like I should have, or you know, I didn't have to be Chick-fil-A. It could have, it could have been like, do you need something from Target? Like, can I run into Target and grab you, you know, a a, a box of crackers or, you know, something. Sure. Yeah. But I think we have to kind of, we have to develop a muscle and Lent is a perfect time to do that. Rocky, we ask everyone as we're concluding the episode, what your hope is for Lent. And we're wrapping Lent up. There's only this week and Holy Week, and then we are launched into <laughs> Easter. So make it through. Now. Yeah. We, so at this point, maybe your answer is, I just hope I get to the end. But but what has been yeah. and is your hope for Lent this year? You know, I think I shared a lot about like what does it really mean to repent? And I think that my hope for Lent this year is that I can have an honest reckoning, mm. that it's not performative. Because I think that there is when you're publicly teaching or in ministry, I think there is this sense of, okay, I need to look like I had a really good lens. <laughs> but I hope that in the quiet places that there has been some healing mm. and that maybe we have broken open some things that need healing and that I come out of it with a greater courage to take risks that Know, speak to what the Lord is calling me to do, to mm-hmm. speak for those that maybe don't have the opportunities that I have, to speak towards those things that call us into wholeness. And the, the word wholeness has really been on my heart this year. And so I think that is my hope for Lent, that we can we can do that. I can do that personally, and that we as a church community can really talk about what does it mean to transform ourselves and conform our hearts to Christ. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. We could keep going, although the um, the good folks always tell me, keep it to a half hour, Katie. So I've got to keep it to a half hour. <laughs> but you have a podcast now. Tell us a little bit about, you have a podcast uh, on your own. I do have a podcast. And, well, no, you've got the great yes. new offering from the Archdiocese of Detroit. I Tell do. us all yes. about it. Yeah. So the Archdiocese has a, a new podcast. <laughs> so funny. I have a priest friend who we just had our 100th anniversary at our parish and it's like, hey, she has, here's a podcast star. I'm like, really not, really not comfortable <laughs> with that at all. The Archdiocese has a great new podcast that I co-host with my friend, Nicole, and it's called Beyond Sunday. And I think the Archdiocese really has recognized that our families have this great need and support, need of support to be able to live their lives and the faith and to transmit that to their children, which is our greatest call, um, but to do it in a way that's real mm-hmm. and to acknowledge that it's a really messy road mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so Nicole and I just have a really fun time talking about, we take a look at kind of the theme for the weekend. It goes along with their 52 Sundays yeah. resource, which breaks open the gospel for the weekend, gives family activities, a connection to our family faith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's just been a lot of fun. And so it is, it is a, I think a great new podcast. Yeah, it's I awesome. I have to tell ramble, you, but <laughs> no, I have to tell you, Tommy and I's routine is yeah. to listen to you guys, depending on when we go to mass, we try to listen to it together before so that we can like get our heads in the right frame of mind. And yeah. then we've been using the 52 Sundays resource at our, uh, at our Sunday lunch, whatever, uh, things are about to get, cr- well, things have been crazy, uh, because <laughs> of, of Lent with travel, but we, we love yes. those resources. So we'll link all of that in our show notes and then tell us about your shop, all of your awesome art. Yeah, so I've been on a hiatus because, again, the Lord has kind of been calling me to to do some interior work and things have been crazy with the teaching. But I do have Rockstar Designs and it's going to be back up and running here shortly. But 
yeah, you know, it is, it is a prayer for me, the work that I do. It is a way for me to encounter the Lord and to work through some of the things I work through. So the things I share are really a reflection of what the Lord is doing in my life. And I hope that it brings some joy and some peace oh, to other people as well. It's all great stuff. I'm, I, as we're sitting here, I'm looking at your garden flag flapping in the wind in my, oh, in my yard. And then the blanket is often fought I was going to say, does Rose house. share the blanket? Well, I, it's mommy's blanket. Mommy oh. shares the blanket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we've got your blanket and then I have a, yeah. a blanket from Little Way Design Co. that's oh, got yeah. the monstrance the on it. And then okay. Rose has a, a Choose Life like muslin swaddle that is for babies. Oh, yeah. So oh. the three of us have our Jesus blankets and then there's there's Tommy okay. with his New York there's Giants Tommy. blanket. Yeah. So we got to get him a Catholic one at some point. The, the three of us all bundled up as if our house doesn't have heat. Rocky, thanks so much for joining us. It's always Thank great to so chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. Rocky provides oh, such great insights and, and wisdom and a lot of joy. We laughed quite a bit after we turned off the recording and just got to catch up with each other. But I think she brings up a really profound point that's worth really contemplating as we start to round out our Lenten experience. If Lent is a season of suffering, it's not just a season of suffering for myself. It's a season of suffering so I can also perhaps see the suffering of others. And allow that sadness and that sorrow not to lead us to a place of, of depression or malaise, but to lead us to a, an energized, I can do something, I can care, I can work, I can give, I can return to the Lord. Because this heart that's been broken is broken for what breaks his. And I can grow closer to Jesus when I allow myself to step outside of my comfort zone and to give generously and abundantly and, and care for others. I think almsgiving is sometimes one of the parts of Lent that's hardest for us to grasp. Do I just write a check? Do I just go volunteer at Catholic Charities? You know, what, what does almsgiving look like? And I think almsgiving is this attitude, this approach towards life that my excess, my surplus, what I have, I can figure out how to give some of that to those who have not. I can step into life looking for the ways that I can help in a unique and particular way. And there's something really beautiful about saying, Jesus, show me the pain and sadness that you have in this world and lead me to be able to help in those places. If you've enjoyed this conversation, if you've enjoyed this whole Lenten season of Ave Explorers, we'd love it if you'd go to wherever our show's at, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, give it a follow, give it a rating, share it with your friends, follow us on the Ave Maria Press website so that you can get all of the great things that we're offering right to your email inbox. We're so proud of what we create. We've got a couple more weeks of this Lenten season, and then we'll have a brand new season about the Eucharist coming up real soon. So we hope you continue to follow along on our Ave Explorers journey. We're so grateful that you're here. Know that we're praying for you in this fifth week of the Lenten season, and we'll be back next week with a lot more conversations, including a great conversation with Sister Miriam James Heidland, and then a wonderful conversation with Father Agostino Torres. Thanks for being with us today. We'll be praying for you in this fifth week of Lent. is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.